Speak your truth. Today we have with us Hakeem. How do you say your last name? I should have asked you that before we even started. Um, Valles. Valles. I was going to say Valles, but I'm from Ohio, so we talk really lazy anyway. So. How do you pronounce your names? Samari or Samari? Samari. Samari. Yes. So if you say anything close to Suh, I'm probably going to answer because nobody can say my name right. So I'm not going to get offended or anything like that. <laughs> Sounds good. All right, so let's get started. So, Hakeem, tell us a little bit about yourself. Um, my name's Hakeem. I'm from a small town in South Jersey, right outside of Philadelphia, called Winslow Township, New Jersey. Nice. Um, something I've always prided myself on is being an athlete and an entrepreneur. Mm-hmm. Um, just growing up, always <clears throat> getting into flipping things, whether it's cutting grass, whether it's fixing iPhones, selling Skittles in middle school. Um, honestly you name it mm-hmm. um, and like now how, how, as I've transitioned through life mm-hmm. um, I did three years in the NFL nice. the Arizona Cardinals, Detroit Lions and New York Giants okay. and now I'm a commercial real estate investor, I invest in uh, multifamily apartments in different markets across the country. Nice, that is so awesome, we're definitely going to talk about this so be prepared. I know you are, cool. though. Um, okay, talk about the transitions from high school football to college football, then from college to the pros. What was that like for you mentally and physically? Um, they were both different. Um, going from high school to college was was interesting. My senior year of high school, two days before my first game, I tore my labor from my shoulder. Wow. Um, so I actually missed the entire senior year. And every school that was recruiting me dropped me. Mm. And Monmouth University, the place I went, was the only school that honored my scholarship. Wow. Um, so I went to Monmouth. Um, you know, as a freshman, I was a wide receiver. And the transition was, it was a little bit rough, meaning I was a bench player. Mm-hmm. When I got into college, and I actually rode the bench for three years. What? Um, yeah, I was a lot, you know, high school, you're, you know, you're a star, and mm-hmm. you think you're doing, you know, things, you get get a full scholarship, and like, oh, this team wants you to come in and be the starter, um, but in reality, it was, you know, I rode the bench for my first three years, and really had to just trust the process, and I didn't even get to see the field until I made a transition and moved positions from wide receiver, I moved to tight end. Wow. Um, and then, like, my senior year, I got my first catch, second game, got my first touchdown, and then started my senior year and my fifth year after okay. the third game. And then the transition to the NFL was, <clears throat> it was it was difficult, a little bit challenging um, in the sense that it it's like, you know, you're, you're, you're a star on your college team, but you're only going against other stars of their college teams. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was... It was, it was fun, and it was. I was able to stay grounded because I, I just went in there with a chip on my shoulder, going undrafted, coming from a small school. Exactly. I knew that the odds were always stacked against me, um, and being able to, you know, survive in that system for three years is uh, something I'm very, very proud of. That is so awesome. That's an amazing story, man. And I commend you for even continuing to go because that's tough. That's a really tough story. Oh, that is awesome. So, how did you get your first opportunity with the Cardinals being undrafted? Um, my first opportunity was was uh, in October. So I started out in the practice squad. Okay. Um, and once 
you know, practice squad, you're doing your thing, and then it was mid-season, a tight end had gotten hurt, and they needed another one for the, for the game day roster, and mm. they signed me, signed me on the day of the game, actually cut somebody what? in San Francisco, yeah, um, it was cool, though, it was Thursday night football game, um, so a lot more added attention, and cameras, and it was, uh, it was cool, that's kind of how I got my first shot, and I played well enough. I mean, I had a drop that game. I had a mm. penalty against me that game, but I played well enough to uh, keep a spot on the roster for the rest of the season. Right. That is awesome. Man, you got an amazing story, Hakeem. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so you already talked about how long you were in the NFL, which was three years. Can you talk specifically about football and what the grind was like, the atmosphere, and the business? Um, no, football's a whole another monster. I'm, I'm actually working on my my vocabulary now. I'm done trying mm-hmm. to stop cursing as much. Mm. Um, just you're just around you know a masculine environment. Um, just a lot of uh, Y chromosome energy. <laughs> um, there's a lot of cursing, a lot of just uh, you know talk that you wouldn't t- you wouldn't talk like that in front of your mom. Right situation, um, but you know, from the perspective of you know football and just the grind, it's it's uh, it prepared me for life. Mm-hmm. It's hard because I see other people and that might even be close to you, and they don't see situations with the same outlook that you see it with. Mm-hmm. Because when you go through football, you've been through some tough times. You've been through some extremely extremely hard workouts. You've challenge yourself and been on the brink of you know quitting or thinking mm-hmm. that this sport isn't for you anymore and then when you go out into the you know quote-unquote real world and you see how honestly how i would say how small some problems are it's like or how easy they are to just mm-hmm. deal with or handle and they're definitely not physically painful um it's kind of like a brush on the shoulder so it's mm-hmm. definitely prepared me um in that sense just with my, my grit and um a mindset just you know going into different situations like yeah this isn't as hard as morning running or like winter conditioning exactly this is not this is not a piece of cake exactly i found myself doing that a lot lately like if i can wake up at 4 a.m and go through a whole entire gruesome workout i can pretty much do anything like d1 and you know college workouts in general or professional workouts are not easy and if you can overcome that mentally you can pretty much overcome anything that is so true yes all right so let's talk real estate how did you get started um i started in real estate back when i was actually in college so my major was business with a concentration in real estate okay and the girl i was dating at the time in college my sophomore year her dad had just started his own house flipping business oh nice and he took me under his wing and we flipped like 10 houses together wow um which is pretty cool getting like a hand like a hands-on experience in the field and then learning in the classroom mm-hmm. uh, it was really cool and then as i transitioned you know we actually broke up like two three years later so that relationship ended with Okay. And as I transitioned into college, um, I mean, not into the NFL, after my rookie year, you know, I was paying about $2,000 a month for the apartment that I was living in. Mm. And I realized I'm going to spend $24,000 to see my rent. Mm-hmm. So I, using my FHA loan, which allows you to buy a property for as little as 3.5% down, mm-hmm. that's either a single family, duplex, duplex, triplex, or fourplex. Okay. 
I bought a fourplex in North Phoenix and lived in one unit and rented out the other three. Mm. And my tenants paid my mortgage. Nice. Um, so I got to live for free. It was really cool. And then when I got cut from the Cardinals, I took that unit that I was living in and airbnb it. Mm. And went to the Detroit Lions and did the same thing with the Duplex. Nice. Upstairs, airbnb upstairs. Um, and live for free and started to really leverage my network mm-hmm. and leverage the fact that I was an NFL player. So I, I was able to meet a lot of different people in the local mm-hmm. community um, and start to get involved in larger, larger projects so I can start setting myself up for what I wanted to do after I, I got done playing. That is so awesome. Um, yeah, so now I, I raise capital from different investors, whether it's um, you know players or high net worth individuals. Mm-hmm. And I raise that capital and, and uh, deploy that capital in different markets and purchase um, larger multifamily apartment buildings. That is so cool. Okay, so why did you choose to invest and, you know, invest in real estate and all of that versus raking up a lot of liabilities like houses, cars, cars and jewelry, which are things that pros usually dabble in? Can you, can, you, can you repeat that question one more time? Sorry. No, it's okay. So why did you choose to invest versus raking up a lot of liabilities like houses, cars, and jewelry, which are things pros like usually dabble in? Um, I think it starts with just insecurity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think I was insecure in that sense. I didn't have to prove anything to anybody. Like, oh, I'm an NFL player, look at my watch. Mm-hmm. I'm an NFL player, look at my red bottoms, look at my Louis Vuittons. Like, it was more of, I didn't necessarily care. I always seen the NFL as a job from day mm-hmm. one when I walked in. Um, and I, you know, walked in and you see a lot of other players and just like, just pure insecurity. Like, exactly. have earrings in that cost over $100,000. Mm-hmm. Who and what are we trying to prove? And exactly. the fact that everyone knows that they're more than $100,000 <laughs> just shows even more your level of insecurity. Exactly. Um, and I think that that's probably one thing and like, you know, not really caring what anybody thinks or says. Like, I mean, I was living in a four unit apartment building with a section eight tenant mm-hmm. and people thought I was crazy for that. Um, Man. and you know, most people wouldn't do that, mm-hmm. do anything like that. So it really came down to just not being insecure and, and not, not caring what others say about you. That is that is so true. I can definitely relate to that because during my college and professional years, I've wasted so much money on clothes and shoes that I don't even have anymore or I've lost them. I've just recently found like so many clothes and shoes that I've left in my mom's house. Um, and they've probably been in there for like three, four years. Um, but I was comparing myself to the people around me and what they had and what I didn't have. So I was spending money I didn't have on things that I wanted when I should have been saving it. Um, you know, no matter what I was saving it for, but just not spending on dumb stuff because I was insecure and wanted to be like somebody else. Um, but yeah, that's something I'm glad that young me did. And now at 26, I'm learning and trying to grow from that. Uh, And like nothing against you know, being insecure, it's natural, it's a mm-hmm. thing in society, and, like, it's what it's what we see all day. It really comes down to what are you consuming. And you're consuming Instagram posts and just watching all these people doing all these things all day. It's natural for you to want to do the same. Exactly. Um, I think if people start to change what they're consuming, mm-hmm. um, then, like, you know, consuming more just positive, more positivity, more optimism, more gratitude, more empathy, and things mm-hmm. like that. Um I think what they're emitting on what they're wearing and what they're 
broadcast into the world would mm-hmm. probably change. Exactly. That's very true. I definitely agree with that. Like, I love Future's music, you know, him as an artist. But the less I listen to him and the more I listen to other music, more calm music, whatever that may be, whatever genre that may be, I'm more calm. My spirit is more calm. My reactions, responses, everything. And it's so, like, amazing to me how, like you said, the things we consume, like, really can control how we act and how we are. That's really people amazing are, to me. People are very blind to it. Yes. <laughs> they can say it over and over again, but they won't. Exactly. They won't it. Like watching the Kardashians is going to make you want to maybe get plastic surgery mm-hmm. in the future. Like, there is a connection with that. Exactly. People, people aren't making that connection. Yes. There are several older women in my life who watch um, like the Real Housewives shows and they don't realize that they are like literally trying to live this lifestyle like them, but they don't, you know, have it like that or like because they're watching the show and will argue with me that they aren't like that. Like I've had several people do that. And I'm like, I've been there, done that. Like I can see it. Like I see right through you. But it, it I interviewed uh, someone else, Hannah Hughesman. She's a, a mental skills coach for the Phillies. And one of the things she said is that everything starts with awareness. So like you said, if you're not aware of it, you're blind to it, you're not going to know that you are literally being controlled, like mind controlled by social media and TV and stuff. Absolutely. Yes. Um, so how did you get involved in public speaking and what is your mission and message? Um, so I'm, I've always liked speaking, mm-hmm. just being back in college, I'm sure when you were at UConn, you had opportunities to go speak at different, you know, high schools, mm-hmm. schools in the local area. Um, and then even when I was in high school, I went to boarding school for high school. And okay. The, the boarding school I went to, I wound up being the student body president as nice. I, as I uh, my senior year. And like with that came with having to address the entire school once a week, mm-hmm. like a community meeting atmosphere. So it got me comfortable and well with you know speaking in front of 500 people once a week um so now it's it's definitely translating into my more professional career nice um but i decided to get into it once i once i hung up the cleats and decided to stop playing mm-hmm. um i actually hired a speaking coach nice. Ogden. he's a former nfl player um who does speaking gigs all across the country oh nice and it really was that kind of that boost that bump that i needed to finally just you know put myself out there and actually do it on Mm -hmm. my own and do it professionally and like as i was playing like i I based a lot of my talks over about about an experience that happened to me when i was in haiti Mm. and i when i was playing i didn't necessarily broadcast that story because i didn't want that attention on me while i was playing Mm -hmm. um and and i used it as a chip on my shoulder because people didn't know who i really was because i wasn't a a-list celebrity mm. and they didn't know my background and what happened to me you know in Haiti and things like that mm-hmm. pretty much didn't know it. that's where my quiet confidence came from mm-hmm. um but I decided you know once I was done playing that I realized that that story could motivate people mm-hmm. so I started to essentially tell it and I could tell it to you if you if you'd uh, uh if you'd like sure of course um so when I was when I finished college, my uh, after my senior year, I just graduated undergrad and was <clears throat> getting ready for summer classes for my fifth year. Okay. Um, me, my mom, my dad, and my grandma, we went on a missionary trip to Haiti. Nice. Um, and our mission was to give out medicine in different churches and orphanages across the country. Um, 
and it was amazing. I'm Haitian, mm-hmm. and being able to be back in your own country and ingrain yourself with your own culture mm-hmm. um, it was an amazing experience. And while we were over there, um, it was May 29th, 2015. We were mm-hmm. playing the card game Spades mm-hmm. at like 2.30 in the morning. And there was a storm that night, so we'd opened up our steel deadbolt door. Mm-hmm. just had a screen door between us and outside. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and while we're playing spades, all of a sudden you hear this loud pow. And like my natural reaction was we had electric fly swatters and mm-hmm. we were killing bugs with while we were over there. And my natural reaction was, was you know, who's, who's killing flies in the middle of the night? Yeah. And all of a sudden you see a foot kick through the front door and eight people run into the house. Um, there's a guy sitting across the table from me, and he saved my life by jumping across the table, tackling me out of my chair. What? And that, that guy who shot through the door then turns his gun on us, and I'm in a bullet hole in the wall behind us, and we're laying on the ground. Um, there's a girl next to us. She has a shawl on. They ripped the shawl into pieces and hog tied us, so hands tied behind your back, feet tied at your ankles, hand tied to your feet, and then blindfolded. What? Um, and essentially, they tied everybody up, went room to room, stole everything. Um, within that process, they, they punched one lady in the face. They attempted to rape another lady. Wow. Um, the women stacked themselves on top of each other in the bathtub and closed the shower curtain. The men all got hogtied like myself. And um, it was wild. Mm-hmm. There, was, there was a pastor who was staying with us. And if you didn't know where his bedroom was, mm-hmm. you would have never looked there. And he calls the police saying, you know, send help, we're under attack. And the police go, where are you guys located at? Mm-hmm. Nope. Nope, we don't come to that neighborhood. Good luck. Click. Hung up on us. What? And then, so he calls the next door neighbor saying, go outside with your gun and just enter the clip out. The mm-hmm. So now outside, you just hear, <laughs> I don't know, that conversation's going on. You just hear a clip being empty. Mm-hmm. I don't speak Creole, so I'm like, is the country under attack? Like, I have no idea what's happening. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's pure Panamanian, pure confusion. Wow. Um, after those gunshots, we had thought they had left. Mm-hmm. But on our compound, we also had like a, a medical clinic. Mm-hmm. And they were in the medical clinic stealing all of our medical supplies and things like that. Wow. And um, at that time, my dad had untied himself, crawled out to see if anybody got hit, mm-hmm. closes the steel door, starts to untie me. Like 45 seconds later, you just hear dum 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 dum, like banging on the door. Yeah. And then screaming in Creole. And then they started shooting out the windows. So, what? Um, And my dad's like, okay, okay, okay. Opens up the dead bolted door, um, lets them in. They rough them up, tie them back up, throw them on top of me, and steal more stuff. Mm. Um, And then at that time, that pastor, he had actually done the prayer that morning at the prime minister's office. Mm hmm. And he called the prime minister himself, saying, send the police, we're under attack. So mm-hmm. about 45 minutes after it all started, finally you hear sirens in the distance. Wow. And uh, the police come. They uh, they were there for five to ten minutes, told us to take pictures on our phones and mm-hmm. cameras if we wanted to and bring them by the station. And good luck. And, like, right. that was it. So it was, it was rough. Like, getting back, I, I started grad school mm-hmm. three days later. And you know, I had awful PTSD. Yes. Um, went and got help, and uh, it took a while. But after uh, a solid, you know, a couple months, mm-hmm. I finally was able to overcome it. And I actually credit overcoming that 
traumatic experience as to getting into the NFL because, you know, after you experience something like that, you know, being in a third world country, you know, not knowing if, you know, if you're going to survive and, you know, watching your life flash in front of your eyes, you know, covered in your own urine and not even realizing it. Man. It's it's easy to do anything else, Mm -hmm. like working out, conditioning, um, anything. All I got to do is, you're not you're not about to die. Like you go, I can run a 5k and I've never run a 5k before. Wow. Run a marathon, do an Ironman. It doesn't matter. Cause I'm not about to die. Exactly. At the, at the end of the day. Um, so you know, that, that experience, you know, overcoming that, that's why I think I got to the NFL. But now I tell that story because once I tell that story, one, I can get a group of a thousand people, 500 people, I can get their attention mm-hmm. and then now spread love, spread positivity, spread optimism and give them different, practical steps on how to whether i'm good at helping people build a brand and mm-hmm. good at helping people get started in real estate exactly um, so i you know I, I get their attention you know, help them understand and frame what the value of life really means and what mm-hmm. it means to be grateful for every single day knowing that at any moment something like that could happen you know mm-hmm. you're in a country your own country giving out food and medicine and and, and uh something like that can happen to you exactly so really really put things in perspective man that is amazing um i'm thankful you are still still here with us today um and thank oh, you for sharing that with us for real thank you so much um no can you tell us why you decided to go get help because a lot of people don't especially people of color um and also what was that process like for you overcoming something like that um, it was, it was more of just, I mean, I was, I was shaking and I, I had a panic attack on the plane mm-hmm. coming home. Uh, you could have been, I'm six, five, you could have been five feet tall and just scared me. Wow. And it would put me in the tears like instantly. Um, so it was, it was, it was critical to get help. And like that process was, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was great, you know, mm-hmm. talking to, talking through my troubles, my night terrors that I was having, my. Um, just what every day felt like, like that why me feeling all mm-hmm. the time. Um, and things like that really, really helped um, kind of put me in a place of coming to peace with what happened and gaining more value, pers- valuable perspective on, you know, what, what could have been going on in those bandits, what's going on in their lives mm-hmm. to force someone to put some, someone in that situation and do things like that. Exactly. Um, it really helped out. Yes, for sure. Um, I love therapy. I am a therapy advocate. I started going um, a few months ago when I was living in Chicago, and it's definitely changed my life and my way of thinking. Um, it has, yeah, it has like really empowered me. And um, yeah, I can trying to get a lot more people to get into yes. it, and, like make make it almost a cool thing, like amongst my friends. Like, exactly. Brag about your therapist. Yes. <laughs> make it a cool thing yes Um, so yeah i think it is critical we exercise our body we exercise other things on us we work out we do things like that but we never exercise our mind exactly and make sure it's okay and things like that so i think it's, it's critical Man, there are so many things, so much like unlocked potential in our minds. And I challenge my girlfriend and my little brother every day, like push yourself to just think more, to use your brain more. Like don't just stop at the first no or like the first sign of it, uh, something being hard. Like just keep going and figure out how to do it. Um, but that's it's 
I don't know. It it frustrates me sometimes when everybody's like that. But I, I credit basketball for me being like that because you have to figure so many different things out just from playing basketball and also being a student athlete. How am I going to go to practice and do all this stuff and get this project done and study for this test and all this other stuff? Um, so it's, I mean. Absolutely. I think yeah. it's critical because as kind of almost a message to college athletes mm-hmm. we, we get caught up in our systems, our processes and doing kind of our day-to-day minutia of, you know, wake up for workouts, go to the dining hall, eat, go exactly. back to workouts, go to film, go to class, go meet with your coaches, go back to workouts, and then you also have your relationships, you have your girlfriend, you have mm-hmm. your boyfriend, you have your parents, you have your actual friend circle outside of your sport, and exactly. you have your friends in your sport. And most likely with all of those relationships, one thing they're not talking about is mental health. Mm-hmm. But you're going through all of that almost alone, dealing with the back and forth, the everyday, the struggle, the ups, the downs, and all that. And exactly. I, I think, you know, a therapist, and I think most teams, especially college teams, usually have that resource. And, you know, people worry too much about the stigma, what it would look like. Um, but it, it ultimately comes down to just honestly not caring and just understanding how critical your mental health is. That is so true. Thank you for saying that and sharing that. Um, and I hope the people are listening and they hear you and that that um, gives them confidence to go because it is very, very, very necessary. Um, no how and why did you use your story and what happened to you to give back and to empower others? Um, you know, one way I always do it is when I get done telling the story, I have everyone just close their eyes and have them imagine they're in their own vacation or mm-hmm. or helping someone doing a volunteer doing charity work doing community service and you're having fun you're with your family you're with your friends you feel like you're doing a good thing mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden at the blink of a eye, everything turns mm-hmm. and then you're gonna die and then your life is flashing in front of your face mm-hmm. you're covered in your own piss and like sit there and think about that and how does that feel and then imagine getting out of that situation mm-hmm. and then open your eyes and now what would you do different? Like, how would you handle relationships? Mm-hmm. Like, how would you treat your friends? How would you treat your family? Like, I think a reason why I don't care much about what people say because I understand what the value of life is mm-hmm. and how much their opinion doesn't necessarily matter and that that person has their own things going on in their own life. Exactly. Like, we're worried about other people's opinions and thoughts when in reality other people's opinions and thoughts aren't even... They don't even care about shooting. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I, I think, you know, after that, after an experience like that happened, I'm really just trying to implore people to get quiet in mm-hmm. their head. Because um, once it gets quiet up there and you don't care and you're not trying to, you know, keep up with the Joneses, you're not mm-hmm. trying to posture to be something that you're not, then you'll you'll be able to live, you know, your your purest life. In mm-hmm. that sense. That is so true. That's definitely something that I challenge myself to do every single day. I did it today when I went for my for my morning walk. And um, I started off by praying for probably about 10, 15 minutes. And after that, I like said, okay, Samari, try your best to just not say anything. If a thought comes, don't respond to it. Just be quiet. And um, mm-hmm. the first few minutes were really hard. But um, after that, I just got into my music and was just walking, observing nature and just being thankful for what was around me um, and not worrying about what was going on 
you know, in my personal life. Because if I just sit here and do that all day, I would never move. Um, and it's so, yeah, so it's so important to, to be to be still in mind, but of course, moving physically. Um, it's very, very powerful. Have you ever heard of the app called, so I understand, I see how, you know, you, you kind of incorporated prayer in there. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian, but I, there's a lot of people who aren't necessarily religious and don't know how to get in touch with the religious side. Exactly. And I think an, an awesome alternative is meditation. Yes. And I'm not sure if you've ever heard of the app called Headspace. No, I have not. It's something I'd implore at least your, your, your listeners to, to check out. It's a really, really interesting app because a lot of people would like to meditate but don't know or understand, you know, what it takes or how to tap into that light force within you. Exactly. And that app is it's like a guided meditation app. It's really okay. Cool. You're, you're getting you're you're almost getting talked to how to talk through clearing your mind. Nice. Um, it's a really really cool. I think actually they actually just partnered up with the NFL. Oh, cool! Um, to help out their athletes because it's it's really cool. It's just a, it's a simple, simple app on your phone, mm-hmm. and it's it, it it really helps. That is so awesome! Yeah, I'm and definitely gonna download go that. One minute you can go from like a one minute guided meditation to twenty minutes. So yes, it's just like everything is tracked. It's tracked how many minutes you've meditated, like mm-hmm. total, like ever. Yeah, it's really cool as you kind of take your progress and go up with it. Mm-hmm. That's really cool. I um I think that's the one thing that like scares people off about meditating is that they feel like they have to do it for a certain amount of time or they like you know they can't be still for so long or whatever like you can do it for 30 seconds a minute however long you can be still like that's enough for for you that day and then just build up on that absolutely um so why is it important for you to give back and to help others um i just think it's a part of i think life Mm -hmm. and like i'm really good one of my favorite books is called the go-giver okay um and when you give 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 and give without expectation it's almost it's almost selfish in a sense mm-hmm. in like a good way like it feels good to to give and help and put people on game mm-hmm. and things like that some people aren't necessarily like that some people feel like they're giving away like I, I don't like on my social media and like things like that like i don't charge people for anything like that's awesome. questions about real estate i'm not going to charge you a cons- consultation fee like i don't have like a thousand dollar mastermind <laughs> yes i don't have an ebook that i want you to buy and like you know i'll give you some of my information on my instagram but then you gotta you know enter your email address and get the free ebook and then get upsold on some bs in the near future like i don't have anything like that exactly um, i think giving to give with no expectation is it's one of the greatest feelings in the world Mm -hmm. but then on top of that when you give you also create leverage for yourself so when you actually do need something you can actually ask and Mm -hmm. not be uncomfortable too many people mix giving and asking at the same time like you're giving because you're expecting someone to give you something and then you're giving and like you're mixing it with a sale like you're giving but then you i want you to buy this you know upsell with this, this exactly or mastermind course but i think if you give when you give and you ask you ask yeah and i don't have anything to ask for but right now i'm just giving and not expecting anything from it because i think if you don't get anything out of it you just did good to the universe and like, mm-hmm. there's nothing wrong with that that's awesome that is amazing you're an amazing person hakeem you're welcome um how have you been able to monetize off of your current endeavors and how did you learn to do that 
But you just said that you don't really charge people. So how do you yeah, make your money? So I don't I don't want to monetize my audience because mm-hmm. I can make my money in real estate. Exactly. I can make money. I also do alternative investments. I'm a I'm a investor in the cannabis industry. Nice. Um, and own land and getting in different facets of that as well. And I can make my money in that realm. Cool. But with your audience, there's no need to monetize mm-hmm. your audience because that's if you want to keep your audience pure, there's no need for it. Mm-hmm. I can, I want to continue to grow my audience and continue to give, but my audience isn't my customers. Mm-hmm. But my audience might say have an uncle who's a high net worth individual who wants to get into real estate and wants to invest, and they might forward that information after ten years of me giving solid, 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 solid advice to someone, and then mm-hmm. they finally connecting with their uncle. <laughs> yeah. it, it, it was worth it in mm-hmm. that sense. Um, so, did that answer? Uh, what was actually the, the original question? <laughs> it was how do you monetize off of your current endeavors? Oh, okay. But you said you pretty much do investing, you do real estate yeah, and all of that it's stuff. So yeah, and, you know, I, I, I leveraged myself well while I was playing, and you know, saved a solid amount so I can build my brand mm-hmm. and invest back into my brand. And you know, I don't, I'm, I'm not like I said, I'm not looking. To, I see this as a marathon. Mm-hmm. I'm not looking to make you know. Uh, a hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars in the first year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just getting started. Exactly. That's awesome. That's a great mindset. Because I think when people go to monetize on day one, or people try and monetize their audience, it's you're losing your leverage. Mm-hmm. And I don't have enough built yet to monetize. I'm right. I've nothing to go on, and people tend to do it too early instead mm. of continuously creating something pure. Yeah, um, and it almost comes back to that that uh, mastermind e course, whatever, whatever. Like when you see speakers do it a lot, but mm-hmm. what happens is now your message and your story is no longer pure because you're posturing your your message to make sure it gets monetized mm-hmm. in the long term instead of just telling your truths. And seeing wow. and I think it's almost like a boxing match. Whoever punches first loses the leverage. Like if my audience decides to pay me and somebody wants to give me a hundred thousand dollars to wear a t shirt when I go do a speech, mm-hmm. that's different than me flipping it and asking my and trying to monetize my audience because now I lose the leverage. I think it's it's a it's a waiting game. Who's mm. gonna break first almost? Mm-hmm. And you don't want to be that person who breaks first. I think you just let 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 the business and let everything almost gravitate towards you. Nice. That's great advice. Thank you for that. Um, so what's next for you, Hakeem? Um, I'm just continuously building momentum. Um, I just closed on a seven-unit apartment building. Nice. Um, work, working on an eight-unit and a four-unit down in Florida. Okay. Um still you know continuously working through the ins and outs of the cannabis industry mm-hmm. um i i'm actually about to launch four separate podcasts wow building, yeah <laughs> building up the queue okay. on them so i can launch them all like you know, when you launch a podcast you should on your first drop you should try and drop like three episodes mm-hmm. um the way itunes's algorithm works it helps better if you do it that way okay so i'm just building up the queue um mm-hmm interviews mm-hmm. and as they build up then i'm gonna start launching them for sure nice so okay last question what is some advice you can give to us athletes or not about investing and creating wealth um i think one is 
only invest in things you know. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't I don't have financial advisor, nor do I invest in the stock market mm. because I don't I don't understand stocks. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to waste my money or energy on something I don't know. Is it something I want to maybe get into? Mm-hmm. Yeah, when I have the time to actually educate myself, but just because everyone else is investing in Bitcoin, I don't understand Bitcoin. Exactly. So I don't invest in it. And mm-hmm. you see a lot of people getting smoked and losing a lot of their money because they're just following the masses and investing things that they, that they don't necessarily know. So I'd say, you know, my best piece of advice is educate yourself mm-hmm. and decide on what your passion is, your passion lies, and then double down on that. And okay. then, you know, as it kind of, you know, goes even deeper into like investing, like it starts with also just saving your money. Like what are you spending your money on? Like mm-hmm. People complain a lot about, you know, they don't make enough money and like they can't afford this, they can't afford that. And like it, you got to look within yourself and you got to look within your lifestyle. Like some people who are 25, 26, 27 need to move back in with their parents. Mm-hmm. Like, I kid you not, if I didn't have a 10-month-old daughter and mm-hmm. a fiancé, I'd live with my parents right now, 100%. Oh, I am. My girlfriend um, and I are living with my mom, and it's it's hard, but it's saving awesome. us so much money. It's, it's a hard way, but if mm-hmm. you care what people say, then you won't do it. But exactly. if you don't care what people think, then you're winning at the end of the day. Exactly. Um, and, like, there's people, if you could, you know, adjust your situation in that sense. Like, some people are spending two grand a month on mm-hmm. land. Like I said, that's... $24,000 a year mm-hmm. that could be going towards a down payment on a property like my first property a four unit apartment building cost $268,000 mm. but due to the FHA loan I could put 3.5% down wow. which is only $13,000 mm-hmm. and that's living at home for a year and saving that that same individual is paying two grand a month in rent Man. and if you can adjust your finances in that sense mm-hmm. then, like, you, can, you can change a lot and like we have I mean, I'm trying to lead by example. We have things around our house that you just don't necessarily need mm-hmm. that you can sell for a substantial amount of money on eBay. Mm. And people aren't taking advantage of that. I recommend watching uh, Gary V has a series called Trash Talk on okay. YouTube. And he's a CEO of a nine-figure business. And every Saturday he goes garage selling and flips the stuff on eBay. Wow. And it's kind of an exact replica of what people can do, which people aren't realizing. Like, you can take 300 bucks, go garage selling, and make two grand out of it if you buy the right thing. That's crazy. But, like, people, then people aren't willing to eat that dirt, and mm-hmm. people just aren't willing to put themselves out there. Like, why are you not going out with us on Friday morning because you want to go garage selling on Saturday morning at 7 a.m.? Mm-hmm. It takes, it starts within before you can st- like start, you know, investing and making money out nice. on the outside. Exactly. Wow. Thank you. I appreciate that, Hakeem. Is there anything else you want to talk about or ask me? Um, so what? What do you? What do you? What's your kind of your passion? And where are you kind of you know? At, you know, a couple of years removed, down of playing basketball, you kind. Um, mental health is definitely my passion. Um, so in high school, I was ranked number one my junior year, and so from there on, I felt the pressure. Um pressure to be perfect, pressure to perform, and it really, really messed with my mental health, but I didn't know what that was. We didn't talk about it. Um, it, wasn't talk- it wasn't talked about at school within, you know, my program um, for basketball, so I struggled with it all throughout my career at UConn, and I ended up transferring from UConn and went, uh, going to Kentucky, 
but I didn't want to go there. I wanted to go to New York and go to fashion school because I just wanted to be done with basketball altogether and just be like a normal person for five seconds. Um, and after Kentucky, played overseas for a few years, but I honestly can't like remember a lot of my experiences because I was so like in the future, was not present at all. I was living in the future, living in the past and just not, yeah, not like appreciating where I was. So it's like, it sucks. And uh, even when I came back here a couple of weeks ago from um, Chicago, I was cleaning out my mom's closet and there's like a bunch of plaques and stuff that I had gotten in high school. And I'm like, I didn't even know I won this. Like, where did this even come from? And it's like, yeah. So like I, so we were talking, my girlfriend and I were talking about it and she was like, do you think if you had have seen these, like if these were up on the wall, would that have helped with your confidence and with your performance anxiety and all this stuff? And I was like, Oh snap. Like I never thought about that. And I was like, it probably could have because the times where I, felt like I failed and you know I only maybe scored five points that game yeah like sometimes when I would like fail or only score like a few points instead of like my normal you know 20 or whatever um 15 if I had saw those plaques when I got home um it probably would have reminded me that you know I'm still talented that was just one game or two games um so, so you know, stuff like that and, and going through that and um, the challenges I went through with mental health, wanting to commit suicide, feeling like my worth was based on me being a basketball player. So once I stopped playing basketball last January um, 2018, I didn't know who I was, what I was. All I knew was basketball. That's what I equated my worth to. And now that I wasn't a basketball player anymore, I'm now worthless. Um, and so what What am I here for? Nobody wants me here. You know, nobody's trying to help me. So it was just like a very, very, like, really quick downward, uh, downward spiral. And so once I was um, able to kind of get myself back on track, I moved to Chicago, was going to grad school and coaching. Um, I met my girlfriend. I talk about her so much, but I met my girlfriend, and she's really helped a lot. Um, a lot of the people that I've met in Chicago, um, and like I said, going to therapy really, really helped and changed my outlook. So instead of me, like, you know, trying to profit and make money off of things, I now just try to help any way I can to bring awareness to mental health, um, especially in the black community, because again, we don't talk about it. And then in the athletic, uh, you know, in the sports world, in the sports community, because that's another area we don't really talk about it. And being both, um, and also being a gay woman, uh, it's, it's, I'm like all of the, I don't even know what to call it, like the, the lowest of the totem pole in, you know, America, especially. Exactly. Society's perspective, but. Exactly. So it's helped a lot and just getting to the point where I'm becoming confident in who I am and using my story to help and empower other people. Um, that's where I'm at now. So I really, really want to get into mental skills coaching and training and stuff like that. Um, and trying to figure out how I can do that. But I, I really like now, um, I know I can start speaking cause I'm, I'm really good at it and I love doing it. It's just a matter of how and where do I start? Um, my oh, podcast, yeah. I love doing that. I want to invest in real estate. So again, like just taking the time to learn about all these things. Um, but I really, really now want to get into like doing mental skills and um, speaking and stuff like that. I mean, now is a perfect time. Mm-hmm. Um, I would just, I would start with your network. Mm-hmm. You know, you being a star, go back to your high school and speak there. Yeah. And just add, they, you, you use your leverage, the fact that you, know what I'm saying? you were the number one player in high school back mm-hmm. then. 
I would try and speak at that high school. I'll try and speak at every high school in that conference. Yeah. And if you're scared to kind of start with a big crowd, I would literally go back to your high school basketball coach and say you want to speak to the team. Mm-hmm. But bring the camera. Just yeah. Like this. <laughs> just oh, like nice. this out there and record yourself speaking. Mm-hmm. And then your content will layer on top of each other and build your momentum and get you more. Nice. And more and more speaking gigs. Like most of my speaking gigs so far have all come off of just my network. Mm-hmm. Like I haven't even started promoting yet for it. Like it's been, they've been growing into each other as the more I produce content from mm-hmm. them. Nice. And, um, and I'm not, I don't mean to be giving you like a whole bunch of advice. No, it's okay. I need it. <laughs> um, it's helping like, somebody else too. It's okay. They roll, they, they, they tend to roll into each other. Like I don't like my, my website's not even done yet. Mm-hmm. I'm six months into it and wow. probably 15 or so gigs into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but like if you, like, like another thing is don't focus on your pillar content most mm-hmm. people when they get into speaking they focus too much on the actual speech itself mm-hmm. when it comes to promoting on their social media pages mm-hmm. instead you should break your and I, I can send it over to you it's that guy do you follow Gary V Gary Vaynerchuk no but I'm going to oh you got to okay um, he, he, he released like a, a 86 slide powerpoint oh nice on his content strategy and pretty much how you can take a keynote speech and break it down into 30 pieces of content oh wow so you take 10 or 15 two minute clips Mm -hmm. one minute clips of you saying something valuable insightful educational informative um and you use that as a video that you put on instagram Mm -hmm. and you put an upper third and a lower third and you have you know like a how mental health affected me in high school mm-hmm. and it's a two minute story that you just told to those girls yeah. how I overcame you know suicide after playing mm-hmm. and it's a three minute video and like that like, and those are the type of videos that now you put on your LinkedIn Twitter Instagram Facebook yes. and then run ads against them using this site called business.facebook.com and okay. run, like run Facebook ads and you can target high school women's basketball player mm-hmm. or college women's coaches or you go on LinkedIn and you can literally yeah. target college division one coaches, division two coaches, division nice. three coaches. And now when they go on LinkedIn, they see you talking about mental health mm-hmm. as a former UConn and K- Kentucky women's basketball mm-hmm. player. And like, nice. you can do that at scale. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, the more and more and the more, and like, I would just try and figure out ways to just keep producing content. Like, you know, For sure. I would, I would, like how I'm, and this is, I only give advice to things that I'm doing, like mm-hmm. with my podcast, for example, how I'm promoting it, kind of same thing. A lot of people, when they do a podcast, they focus a lot on the end, the pillar content, meaning mm-hmm. the, the long form, our 45 minute interview. Mm-hmm. Whereas instead, the best way to promote a podcast in 2019 is to kind of do the same thing, mm-hmm. but make it visually appealing for the audience. Mm-hmm. So you take a two minute snippet of our interview that we just did, for example. Mm-hmm take a two minute snippet of me talking about say real estate or whatever mm-hmm. and now on your instagram page you put that oh my goodness okay i went over to the philippines and it cost me 200 bucks what yeah and what i'm like it's kind of probably exciting to you what what it was getting a rendering done is we're building a uh, almost like an aau mecca oh South cool Jersey. Mm-hmm. it's gonna be like 15 basketball courts in what used to be a Kmart. Oh, wow. And another five basketball courts in what used to be an Acme. And like the five is for pickup, the 15 is for AAU and different yeah. things. 
um, and we actually want, and this probably something that's gonna excite you. One of the courts for pickup is only like restricted to girls only. Oh, some nice. People, you go to LA Fitness, you go to different gyms to play pickup. There's no centralized area for girls to actually play. Exactly. I really learned that this uh, this, this past couple months. My fiance is a, is a basketball player as well. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, she uh, she actually would have played overseas, but the week we found out she was pregnant was the week she was signing her contract to play in Switzerland. Wow! But now nine, nine, eight months after the baby, she's uh, she's playing pro ball here in St. Louis. So oh, pretty, that's uh, awesome! Pretty cool. But we we're trying to look for places to to get like to get some uh, some work in and yeah. do some pickup ball, and there's just nowhere where there's just a centralized location for girls. Exactly. To Exactly. Without hooping with guys, which if you're a serious player, it's going to mess up your shot because you're mm-hmm. playing with boys ball. It's going to yes. mess up your dribbling. It messes up everything. You know? It does. Yes and no, because my dad, he had me playing with the guys when I was nine. And granted, I probably wasn't anywhere near ready, but I had that attitude, you, you know, that nobody was going to like, you know mess with me but he made sure that yeah he made sure that like I shot with my ball first then the when I was playing with the guy's ball then I would go back to shooting my ball and I might be out there for four like sometimes three four five hours a day but I don't think you have to be out there that long but I was getting better and you know it it didn't mess anything up because he he made sure it didn't um but if you don't yeah like but if you don't know that you know already yourself or you don't have somebody in your life to tell you that then yeah it could potentially mess it up absolutely for sure Hakeem thank you so much um if you need help with that gym when you open it let me know because I would love to help out anyway um and let's keep in touch for sure um and I really really appreciate you joining the podcast it was great talking to you I appreciate you having me on as a guest of course